Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here for the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. Uh, No more Mike K. Thank God we got the original (laughs) co-host back. (laughs) Daryl Slater is back from his absence. He was dealing with some stuff. Um, But he's back, and we're happy to have him back. Uh, Daryl, how much of that, of that game on Sunday did you get to watch when you were doing, cause it, it was a pretty big win, obviously. Yeah. So I was in the hospital for five days, but it wasn't like an, emer- well, I guess it was an emergency thing, but, uh, went on Friday and got out Wednesday and was able to actually watch all the jet game and all the giant game. Um, so, so I had a little staph infection in my elbow and, uh, it, I guess as far as staph infections go, it was little, but, um, kind of a one of those things where you got to be on a lot of IV antibiotics. So I, I felt fine, whatever. And they were able to like get me all fixed up and, and good folks at Overlook Hospital and Summit are just awesome. And um, yeah, I heard, I heard you have a robotic arm now, right? No robotic arm, just oh, a okay. small <laughs> little hole in my arm from where they drained all the gross stuff out of it. Yeah, it wasn't fun. So yeah, just standard antibiotics. And then I didn't even get any good painkillers. So I did <laughs> for a little bit for a little bit, but uh but, uh, but yeah, it, it was fine. And I, you know, very comfortable place to not only, uh, you know, get recover from something like this and get pumped full of IV antibiotics, but also, uh, and of course that's why I couldn't do the podcast with you last week, but, uh, and didn't, wasn't able to cover the game, but I was able to watch the game and. Yeah. I was uh, going to say before, before we get into the giants, can you tell the story you told me about uh, yeah. what happened when you were watching the jets game? Cause <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So this is Sunday and I had, I had been in, in the hospital since Friday afternoon and it's not, you know, whatever. I'm just trying to find some normalcy and, uh, not really much to do of course. So I, I, what the heck I'll put the jet game on. So I'm texting with you guys and I'm watching the jet game. And, um, and of course what happened at the end of the game happened. And, um, and the I Greg get, Williams, no yeah. zero blitz thing. Yeah. Right. Greg Williams, zero blitz. And then the long touchdown pass on the on Lamar Jackson, the Jets cornerback version of Lamar Jackson. And uh, <laughs> I go, Oh my God. And I didn't like scream it, but just kind of like that. Oh my God. And the door was open to my room and um, the nurse's station was like right there. So two of the nurses, like they heard me and they came running. Like, Are you okay? Are you okay? I was like, Oh yeah, sorry. Just the jets. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just Greg Williams. And so they laughed. They got a kick out of that. And uh, I I had to 
and then I realized like, oh, I should probably be quiet because I was actually because of COVID, they've really um, overhauled their hospital layout there at Overlook and Summit. And uh, so I was actually on a wing of the pediatric floor, which was kind of <laughs> weird. But they had the kids on one wing of this floor and the adults on the other. So it's not like okay. they got to hear any of my like ranting about uh, football. <laughs> but that was really it. I didn't have much energy besides that. But uh, as, as tired as I was, I was able to muster what basically everyone else was feeling and saying at that time across New Jersey. Except that, uh, except that, I guess maybe no one else maybe didn't didn't draw the attention of nurses who thought they had like fallen out of bed. And, you had that unique experience. Yeah, sure. I don't know what they thought had happened. They probably thought I, you know, fell out of bed or something. But I almost did. I mean, that was crazy. The giant game, of course, a little. I mean, less eventful in terms of a single event. We talked about this out of the game. We were texting because someone asked, like, "Oh, was it a crazy game?" There wasn't like a crazy moment, but it was pretty crazy that they went out there to Seattle and won with Colt McCoy, right? Yeah, not only that they won with McCoy, but that they completely shut down Russell Wilson. <laughs> like, like the, their defense have been good all year, but like if you look at you know especially their wins, but even just like in general, a lot of the offenses they the defense have played well against were not good offenses. Seattle was was at either top or top five in passing offense going in that game. Russell Wilson was an MVP candidate. He's probably not now, and the Giants held them to twelve points. Like. I mean, when, when when that game ends, I think the, the biggest takeaway is just that Patrick Grant. I mean, we've talked about him almost every week. Even when they were losing, we were complimentary. But, like, it, it's almost at, – at, at the very minimum, it feels like a lock he's going to get some interviews this offseason now for a head coaching job. Definitely. And, you know, not to be cynical, but let, let's be honest. I mean, he's a minority candidate. And he, even if some of those interviews are for jobs that this happens all the time, of course, have no intention of hiring him you know, he, he might be a guy who they bring in to fulfill the Rooney role, which is what teams do. I mean, and it's not necessarily a good thing. But he's getting but, in the door, though, for sure. Yeah. It, but, but setting, but I was going to say, setting all that aside, and, and, and he, this is the case with Eric Bieniemy, too. Like these guys, and especially Eric Bieniemy, are like obviously very deserving uh, head coaching candidates. I don't know if Patrick Graham is a shoe in right now, but I think he's getting himself in that position. And, and you know what? Even if he does get what, you know, it's a stupid word, but token interview. Right now, I, you know, I'm sure he'll take it and I'm sure he'll say, you know what, I'm going to go in there and show these guys, you know, what I'm made of. And um, it can't hurt to get, get your foot in the door. And I would be surprised if he gets a job this offseason, wouldn't you? I think it's probably another. Yeah, I mean, I would say the thing that Patrick Graham has, I think when if you get in a room with him, I think he's going to impress anybody that interviews him. So that like and I think that's kind of, like you look at like what it's a little different. But what happened with Joe Judge, nobody had even considered the possibility that Joe Judge, nobody heard of Joe Judge before. Jan nobody like legitimate that wasn't like in league circles that like had actually known who Joe judge was right. before January or whenever they interviewed him. And then he went in the room and he wowed, you know, he obviously had the background that he did with Bill Belichick statement and all that, but he wowed John Mara, Gettleman, uh, Steve Tisch. Like he, he just wowed them in the room. And I think Patrick Graham is just number one. He's extremely smart. Like he kind of plays He's like really like happy go lucky, like fun personality in the, in when we talk to him and he's always like, Oh, I'm not smart enough to think about anything like that. I don't know. So, and then someone will say like a metaphor, or like a, an idiom, and he's like, oh, you're going to have to start over. I don't know what that means. Like he's, he always like plays up like, I'm, I'm a big dummy. I don't know what you're talking about. But when in reality, like behind the scenes, like I, have, like I talked to – I did a story on Leonard Williams, and I talked to him, and I was asking him about Patrick Graham. And he said that um, the, the, the team calls him the computer because he has an ability to – it's like the Sean McVay thing. He has, an, he has an ability to like recall a play from years ago, like the exact moment when it happened – and he'll be like, oh, 2015 game against the, the Bengals. Uh, I believe it was like play like 53 and uh, this happened. And then they go and do it. And it's like exactly right. So he, he's like one of those like beautiful mind types. And on top of that, you're just seeing every single week, 
like they, they do something different. They he he's so good at adjustments. Um, I've seen a lot about um, how involved Logan Ryan is with that too, and he's made a huge impact too, obviously. But Patrick Graham just like week to week. Like I don't, I imagine it's pretty difficult to prepare for this team. And I think it's kind of like hidden a lot of their problems because if you look at you know the number two cornerback spot, I, they've made Isaac Yadam look like a, a a capable NFL cornerback, which as you and I talked about on this podcast earlier in the season, he did not look like that. And I don't know if that's that that's them like coaching him up or putting him in the right spots or whatever. And then an outside linebacker, they've lost all four of their like top guys. They traded Golden, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez, and Kyler Fackrell are all on injured reserve. And then this last game, like Jabal Sheard, Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown, and Nico Lalos all played the best game that that group has played all year. So he's like putting all these guys in in, in perfect positions. He's, they're making plays when they have to, and they seem to love playing for him. Like I. People maybe weren't talking about Patrick Graham before the Seahawks game, but they certainly are now. Yeah, I mean, that was a showcase game. That's the type of game that puts you on on the radar of teams going forward, whether it's you know for jobs in this hiring cycle or, or after the 2021 season. Certainly, um, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for what the Giants were able to do in Seattle on Sunday and another challenge coming up against Kyler Murray on, uh, on uh, this coming Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Something I've noticed with Giants fans who are obsessed with Patrick Graham now um, if they weren't already is like all now all the stories are coming out like, okay, he's going to be a head coaching candidate or at some point and they're like, no, 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 he's terrible. You don't want Patrick Graham. Take Jason Garrett. He'd be a great head coach. <laughs> like people just like saying, no, no, you want Jason Garrett. He's done it before, you know? Um, and, and the funny thing is like, as bad as Jason Garrett's been, he just feels like one of those guys where is the NFL. They just like recycle coaches. Like it's nothing. Totally, yeah. These owners like going with a known commodity, it's often, unfortunately, a white coach when it's that when it's the case. And Jason Garrett kind of just like fits the mold of a guy who coached for ten years. His teams were all like competitive. If they base it off his performance as a giant, I still don't think he's done a great job. Their offense still hasn't even played well in this winning streak. If you look at it, the defense has really carried them. Um, I mean, Daniel Jones is playing well in the sense that he hadn't turned the ball over before he got hurt, but he wasn't like producing touchdowns. It's been all the running game, which I don't know how much of that is Jason Garrett, how much of that is the offensive line improving. And, and it's been a lack, still a lack of big plays. And so I, that, I think that's kind of like you and I had talked about this like off offline a little bit, um, I think. But like it, it still feels like these last four games are still like Jason Garrett coaching for his job on the Giants staff, let alone if somebody hires him outside of the Giants. Sure. I, th- I think it's still a possibility that this team, say, wins the division um, with – you know what? Maybe maybe seven wins, and then they go one and done in in, in the playoffs. And if J- Joe Judge looks at it and says, "You know, I'm, I'm going to make a change at offense coordinator," I don't think that would be a surprise. Um, we talked a little bit before we came on about the offensive line's improvement. And, you know, that's so hard to quantify. So I, I just called up the Pro Football Focus grades for the the, the Giants line this year, and um, let's see, like pass blocking in the past four games. I'll just kind of round to these numbers: 64, 50, 69, 63. You know, and these are out of 100, and so some of those are pretty good, 69, 64, not bad. And But if you look at before this four-game winning streak, you're talking about numbers 56, 40, 49, 38. Um, yes, so you're seeing the difference The difference in an offensive line being terrible and average is significant. And Yeah, I mean, looking at 49.4, I said 49 there. Uh, that was against Washington in the game they won. I mean, you, you talk about – you know, run blocking. You said how well they've been running the ball the past couple weeks, 66 and and then 72 the week before that. These past couple weeks, they've been running the ball and run blocking very well. According to Pro Football Focus, I mean, they, they look at the game film, they, they grade it. So it's not it's not definitive, but you, it's a good comparison point uh, to what they were doing uh, before. I mean, you look at during the during the 
couple game losing streak that they had before this current four game winning streak. I mean, their run blocking grades are uh, 59, uh, 47. So obviously not very good, you know, so they've, they've improved as a line certainly before Mark Colombo's firing and, uh, and certainly have continued to improve uh, since he was replaced. Yeah. um, Well, I think the biggest, probably the biggest difference on the offensive line in general, though, is Andrew Thomas, because as you and I have talked about plenty um, on this pod, he was obviously brutal yeah. uh, over the season. This last game, he didn't allow a single pressure, which is a significant progress considering he led the NFL in pressures for a while. Um, just pulling up his, his performance. Like he had 87 grade, which is among the league leaders. He hasn't allowed a pressure in two weeks. Wow. He's only allowed one sack over the last five games. Like he, he's kind of like one of the most important players and, you know, they already moved past the point where whether they picked the wrong guy or not, they need Andrew Thomas to work out. And he's starting to get a lot better. Um, you know, I, I, I think people are going to overestimate the impact of changing offensive line coaches. I think a lot of it more has to do with them getting more comfortable as the season has gone along. I think Colombo probably deserves some credit for how they've gotten better. And I'm sure DiGuglielmo has obviously helped too and just bringing a little different perspective, I guess. But, um, I mean, but, and, but you know, one thing he mentioned, uh, DiGuglielmo initially – you know, he said, I'm not going to overhaul how we're doing things. And, and that's obviously the smart approach, you know? So he, I don't think he would look at this and say like, oh, I deserve necessarily a ton of credit for, yeah. for this because they're not going to overhaul how they're doing things. I mean, that, that was the best game for Andrew Thomas. Uh, if you if you look at Pro Football Focus, I don't know if any of you guys have a, a subscription, but they certain, they have like little color-coded things, right? So in uh, crummy grades are like a little red square next to them. And I'm looking at Thomas's season and, and you could see it plain as day he only has like three of these blue square grades, which I guess must mean in the eighties are better. And they're yeah. all across the board off his, his total grade his pass block and his run block grade all in Seattle. Uh, you know, the peak of his season so far. Um, and, and even, even during his winning streak, like for instance, against the Eagles, he, he was bad. You know, yeah. he had a 40 run block grade and he allowed four pressures last two weeks, much better. Um, so let's see if he can keep it going. I mean, this is not, yet the definitive standard, right? This isn't necessarily his baseline of, you know, that, that he, yeah. is who he is right now in terms of success, but still allowed 44 pressures this year, which is insane, which is insane. Yeah. But, and, that, and that's with two straight zero weeks too. So, and, but you know what? I mean, if you're him, you, you know, it's almost like a, you know, cornerback or what, whatever short memory or whatever sports analogy you use, you got to have kind of a, a short memory and understand that like, this was never going to be easy. And the whole the whole thing here for him is let's see if it gets easier as the season goes on, and it looks like it is right now. So that's that's good news for him and good news for the Giants. Yeah, and, and jumping off the offensive line thing, I feel like one guy we should shout out. I think we've talked about him a little about him a little bit here is Wayne Gallman has just uh, yeah, especially the last couple of weeks. Last week was his best game of his career. He didn't score a touchdown after scoring five straight games, but he just seems like a guy that like if the Giants had ever actually given him touches, he seems like a guy who like needs that build up that ramp up period to, until he gets into his groove. And now he's like playing like great. I think he's among the league leaders in yards after contact since he became like the starter. Um, for whatever reason, the Giants just always like resisted giving him a chance. Like they, well, Saquon, they had Saquon got, Barkley. Yeah, Saquon got hurt last year, and then they signed Buck Allen and started playing him over Wayne Gallman. Buck Allen, who's out of the league now, um, and then this year Saquon goes down again, and they signed Devontae Freeman, and it took Freeman going down to give it to Wayne Gallman finally. And I, I mean. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the run blocking, but he he's just he's like a fun running back to watch because he like does not go down easy. They can call him the Wayne Train. He seems to be really popular in the locker room. I I don't know if he's earned himself a lot of money because running backs don't really make that much money anymore, free agency wise. And there's a lot of good free agents, but 
I don't know. It's 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 interesting to see him become a reliable player because I don't know if I saw that coming. Just like there, I thought there had to be a reason why they just weren't trusting him before. Maybe there was, but he seems to have figured it out. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like obviously they drafted him in the fourth round, twenty seventeen, and then they go ahead and get Saquon Barkley the next year. And it, I mean, he became a, an afterthought basically yeah. immediately in his career. I mean, he he was he was not a, a starting player in twenty seventeen as a, as a rookie. But he did have 476 yards. The next two years, he he did basically nothing because they relied on Saquon Barkley. Already this year, 504 yards, six touchdown, career high. And then you mentioned last week, 135. He ran for 94 the week before. Um, you know, in in this stretch, um, since what one, two, three, last six games, he's he's really turned it on. I mean, he has. Um, and you said even with no touchdowns the last two weeks, six, six touchdowns the last six games. So six in the previous five before last week, um, and has really become a productive player. And, um, yeah, a nice guy, always a steady guy, steady character guy. Um, probably his ceiling is that of a backup running back. I don't know if he's going to get starter running back money, but he's certainly earning himself a lot of money down the stretch here. And, and I think it, you know, the notion of like, oh, should the giants resign him now or whatever, like. He would be crazy. <laughs> he would be absolutely oh, yeah. crazy to not be no free agency. Like, yeah. unless he's got something going on injury wise, like I'm sure he doesn't. That like nobody knows about, right? Like that he's somehow keeping hidden. Yeah. Like then, uh, of course, but that's not the case. And so it would be insane to like. I'm sure the Giants would love to lock him up for for a a, a decent price right now. But he he should go and try to find a team that's desperate, that's willing to, and maybe foolish enough to give him a larger role now like I'm, I'm not trying to knock this guy but i just don't know if he's that's who he is long term but he's certainly putting himself in position to maybe make some teams think that isn't he yeah absolutely the fun, funny thing i keep thinking like even just talking about this and how they're making it work with wayne gallman and like early in the, so early in the season when their offense i mean the offense still isn't that great honestly the running game is good now but you and i had written something about how like dave gettleman's philosophies are so outdated and and uh, like the quotes that he had from early on and how they were trying to build a running team in a passing league. And it, like this, this is the fruit of like his stuff. Like it, it, they're a running team that like beats you with defense and running, but that's because they can't pass the ball more than like, it's the right philosophy, I think. Um, and, 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 you know, Dave's got a lot of praise recently because they've turned it around. And I think a lot of his moves in 2020 have worked out. I think there's a lot of discussion to be had about, you know, how much Joe Judge was involved in a lot of those uh, decisions, but I think the one thing that is clear that he messed up on, and I think it's been obvious since the beginning, is that he just he didn't add any weapons on offense. And, right. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. you're seeing that with their, like Darius Slayton has kind of faded away. Um, he's clearly not a number. He needs someone who can like take coverage away from him. I think Sterling Shepard's reliable. You don't want him to be your best receiver. Golden Tate, they don't even really. I mean, they he get, makes a big catch every now and then. They don't play him that much. Evan Ingram is probably the most talented one, but he also makes m- at least one major mistake every game. And it's like, it's, it's week to week. It's the same exact thing with that guy. He'll have like an insane turnover and then I'll have three great catches. And like, you have to decide which of those you are happier or status with. Um, and, that, you know, that just made me think like if they had a, a really good receiver, I wonder how much different, I mean, that might've been the difference in a couple of games, honestly. I mean, how many of these 17 to 12, 19 to 17 games are you going to win? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like at some point, that luck runs out, and the defense exactly. You can't, you can't expect the defense to do that every week. You can't win like that in today's NFL. You need more weapons. Now, they're not going to go and you know necessarily overhaul the offensive line by um, 
by drafting a lineman high again probably this year, of course, because they just did it with Thomas. But the one position where I think they need to make a splash in free agency next year is that they have to go get a – or the draft. They have to go get a weapon for Daniel Jones. They Absolutely, have to. I mean, th- th- what they have right now simply doesn't cut it in terms of the, uh, re- the receiving game. And we've seen how, like, relatively easily replaceable a running back is. So, yeah. so again, it was not the right decision to draft Saquon Barkley. It yeah. just wasn't. He's been a good I player. I think that's – I mean, the, the, how good Gallman has been makes that as obvious as it's ever been. Totally. But, I mean, the one thing that you can't paper over, like, yeah, you can get kind of paper over Saquon Barkley's absence. You said it, though. The one thing you can't paper over is is is, is lack of weapons in the passing game, and eventually that's going to come back to bite them. And now, is it a, is it a success if this team with this roster win, wins a division with even, like, seven wins and then maybe even loses in the playoffs? Absolutely. That's progress. And that might be enough to keep Dave Gettleman around, and it probably will be enough to keep him around. But this team has significant holes that are preventing it from going further right now. And if you look at it, of course they do. Of course they do. Um, but, but as you anyone would acknowledge that, but as you look at it, maybe the biggest, and I know we talk about edge rusher, um, maybe the biggest is, is that number one target, right? In the passing game. Like, yeah, if they I mean, get Kenny Galladay in free agency, if they don't, if yeah, I was, say, that's what I'm, I was about to say, I'm interested to see how they approach free agency. Cause number one, you have the, the salary cap that's lowering. And then number two, I think you have three pretty important guys. You have to, you probably are only be able to assign one or two of them. And that's Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Logan Ryan. Um, I get the impression they're they're probably going to try and bring Leonard Williams back. With how good he's been, he has eight and a half sacks. Um, he's kind of quieted a lot of the noise around that trade that Dave made. Fair or not, um, and he's going to demand a salary among the league leaders. I mean, I wrote all about this, and I had people tell me that he's. Like I think Chris Jones on the Chiefs signed a four-year, eighty-five million dollar deal, which is like more than twenty million a year. I think he can. Leonard is within his right to ask for around that range based on how he's playing this year, and that's a, bit, a lot of money to devote to one player. And it would mean they're probably not going to be able to resign Dalvin Tomlinson at that point. You would probably have to get Logan Ryan at a little bit of a discount, which I don't know if he'll want because he might make the Pro Bowl this year. And then on top of that, you have to decide: so do you want to resign Logan Ryan and/or Dalvin, or do you want to go and spend? You know, eighteen million a year on Kenny Galladay, which is a lot of money for a receiver, but you need a receiver. Or do you want to go and spend that on an edge russer? Like it's they're really gonna have to thread the needle of this offseason. And it and it kind of comes back to like, do you trust Dave Gettleman to thread that needle ultimately? I look, I think I still think that I think it's still up in the air whether he's back next year because you have to look at the totality of it. You can't just look at this team having won four straight games and say, Oh, that that's why he should be back. No, you have to look at the totality of his decisions, the good and the bad of what he's done. Like, and, yeah, and if Joe Judge likes working with them is an important part of it. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, there have been decisions that have proved to, to have turned out well this year, James Bradbury, Blake Martinez. But then there are, other, of course, other ones, big money that he spent that have demonstratively turned out to be poor decisions. Nate Solder, Golden Tate. There's no, those are done. Those decisions are finalized as being bad. So, I mean, they wouldn't even have Logan Ryan if Nate Solder didn't opt out. They wouldn't be able to afford to sign Logan Ryan. So that contract's going to come back to bite him again next year. Right. And if you talk about cap space and threading the needle, right now the Giants is over the cap.com with a projection of $176 million cap. The Giants have $18 million in cap space next year. And that's what, what, four or five? That's probably middle of the pack if I, without. Yeah. And then, and then I guess you, exactly you, can cut, you can cut Golden Tate, cut Solder, I guess, and get a dead cap in and a couple other guys, probably get it up to like. 25 million. Zeitler. They'd probably cut Zeitler. They wouldn't cut Solder, right? I wouldn't think I, they would, could cut well, Solder. I, I don't know. I mean, Solder could also retire, honestly. I, don't, I wouldn't rule that, that out. That's possible. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of ways. that. But, of course, you got to look at it like this. Other teams are going to 
increase their cap space too, yep. with this, with things like that happening. So, right, like the Jets have $78 million in cap space. They're number two. But I'm, I'm sure there's a couple guys on their roster that they are that they are going to cut loose that are going to result in some whatever. I mean, she, the, the Jets uh, cut a guy who they then nominated for the Walter Payton yeah. award <laughs> a few weeks later, well, which is the best thing of all time. Good off-season, bad off-seasons for cornerbacks. I mean, in this market, <laughs> the, the Jets signing Pierre Desir versus the Giants signing James Bradbury. And I know the Desir contract was was a, a one-year deal, not not nearly as much of a financial yeah. commitment. As but they, it was as big of a need for the Jets, though. But yeah, that turned out to be a complete disaster, whereas Bradbury, a guy who, you know, people didn't necessarily know what he was going to bring, has certainly turned out to be a, a great signing and is very much earning his money. And um, look, the bottom line is no one expects every signing to work out all the time. It's just that like when you de- devote enormous money to a really important position like number one corner, uh, like uh, number one receiver or or like edge rusher, pass rusher, then you need to make sure it works. So I think with Dave Gettleman and Leonard Williams, if you're going to throw a lot of money at him based on his pass rush numbers this year, when previously he's kind of underwhelmed in that department, you got to think like, what is, is this guy more than just a one-year wonder in that department? He's always been a really good run stopper. We know he's one of the better interior defensive linemen in the league, but is he what you need in terms of a pass rushing presence? He has been this year. Let's see if he can carry it forward. I think, you know, even talking to Leonard at the end of last year um, about, you know, coming when he when he was quote unquote entering free agency for the first time, right? Yeah. Before they tagged him, you know he, uh, you know he's always been very candid about this, and I, you know, I, I know we talked to you about it as well th- this December. Uh, he views himself as one of the better defensive linemen in the league. He he's never really batted an eye over the poor sack numbers. I mean, if you look at his PFF numbers, they're pretty good overall in terms of where he rates as among interior defensive linemen. But he's always considered himself. And he's he's real about it. I mean, so he said, "Look, I don't know if I deserve Aaron Donald money." It's what he was talking about last December when I talked to him. But he said, um, "You know, I feel like I deserve to get paid like one of the better uh, defensive linemen in the league." And of course, now he definitely has every yeah. right to feel that way. Um, but it's up to Dave Gettleman and to be certainly cold, calculated, and objective about it. Yeah, and I mean, they pretty much. So what I was told is that. They, you know, they had tried offering him a multi-year deal, pretty much knowing that he probably wouldn't accept it because they weren't going to offer as much as the franchise tag. But it, and I think something that played into it is that they knew the perception around the trade and how Leonard only had a half a sack, and you can't really go and pay eighteen million dollars to a guy uh, per season that had a half a sack. So they franchise tagged him. Leonard didn't take it personally. I get the impression that they're going to circle back, and the Giants are, you know, they they are kind of cornered here because you know his. Leonard's people fully well know what the Giants went through to get him. They they gave up all they did, fully well knowing he was about to be a free agent. And so if they really want him back, they're gonna have to pay up. Uh probably more than he would get on the open market. That's kind of how it works with a big time guy. Um and then you just have to hope that he doesn't revert back to the guy that wasn't getting sacks. Well, I'm sure he's thrilled right now that he was franchise tag because he number one yeah. stayed healthy, which is always the biggest concern for franchise tag guys. And number two, he played his butt off and so now he's going to double dip now he got he got the franchise tag money and he's going to come back next year and get long-term guaranteed money this could not have possibly worked out yeah. any better for him or, or, or he gets franchise tagged again and that's another like 18 million guaranteed for the year so right right i mean look at some point um you know if you're him you know you're going to want yeah, for money. sure. He's gotten sure. quite a bit of money in his career because of where he was drafted. I don't have his career yeah. numbers, but you know, this is a guy who's going to be 27 years old in June, um, and has been in the league for what? This is his sixth sixth year, so the next year will be year seven. So I don't know how many more contracts he has left in him after 
this next one. This this might be it, you know. So um, if you're him, you want to you want to hit it big uh, next offseason, of course. Yeah. Um, all right. We, we talked about a big picture. I think we can spin it to the Cardinals game a little bit here. Um, I'll say Daniel Jones, I think, is is uh, gearing towards coming back. Most likely he yeah. was listed as questionable this week. He was doubtful last week. He's been limited most of the week, but it's, he's been kind of been ramping it up as it goes along. They, they've been like playing it cautious with their words and interviews and stuff. But um, I feel I feel pretty good about saying he'll probably play on Sunday, whether he's like his full self and running around. I don't know. Um, but I think even at that, he's probably more capable than Colt McCoy. Um, and then, you know, on, on the defense, Blake Martinez, I'm a little less sure that he's going to play this week. He's their quarterback of their defense, which would be a pretty big loss. I'm a little concerned about he's, you know, he calls the plays. He's a leader. He's been one of their best players. And their only other inside linebacker that you can rely on is a seventh round pick. That was Mr. Irrelevant and Tay Crowder. Um, I've seen people suggest that maybe they play Xavier McKinney more now. They just do a lot of defensive back stuff and just roam everybody around. But uh, yeah, I would say, especially going against Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenyon Drake, like that. My concern at this point is about Blake Martinez not playing potentially. Yes, I mean we talk about these these cornerback receiver matchups, it, it, you know, like it's almost sandlot football to a degree. And yeah, I mean the James Bradbury DK Metcalf matchup deserved a lot of attention, just like Bradbury DeAndre Hopkins does too. I mean these are big proving time matchups, but the, the those those you know, like the Blake Martinez thing is like people don't necessarily always see how important he is to their defense. Like to have a really good middle linebacker like him to, to to have a cerebral piece in the middle of your defense like that. Um, those sort of things sort of fly under the radar. And so maybe you won't necessarily notice it on Sunday if he doesn't play about like, Oh man, why, why are they off here? Why are they off there? Um, but he's certainly a big part of it. And um, yeah, I, I think that that, that could be a problem. I think that could be a significant problem for them defensively. For as much as Giants fans should be happy that Daniel Jones is coming back, I think the Blake Martinez injury ought to be uh, rather concerning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where, where do you where do you stand in this game? I th- we should say like I think earlier in the season, if we had been talking about this game, we would have just assumed the Giants would lose it. I think based on how they've played recently, how the Cardinals have really kind of fallen. Um, they've lost three in a row. Their offense has been kind of a mess. Uh, Kyler has been playing it. He's not an MVP candidate anymore. They're only six and six. So they're only a game ahead of the Giants. Um, I, they're still more talented for sure on both sides of the ball. I think the Giants won't really face many teams that they're less, that they're uh, more talented than maybe the Cowboys, I guess. But even that might be a stretch. Um, but I, I had the Giants winning this week, uh, mainly because I, I think their defense can do it against the offense. I'm a little more skeptical. I mean, I, I didn't think they could beat the Seahawks, especially ever, all the scenarios you know, Colt McCoy playing. And I thought it was their hardest game of this four-game stretch. And then they beat them. So I think you can't count them out of any game anymore. Um, I certainly won't be. And I, so I had them winning 23-17 uh, to 17 this week. Yeah, I think similar uh, score-wise, I, I, I think I'm right, right with you there. I, I have Cardinals 21, Giants 20. Um, the Like you said, the Cardinals offense hasn't been great lately. Giants defense has been playing pretty well. I just, you know, I don't necessarily trust – Daniel Jones, not that I don't trust him, but you know what I mean? Like a half speed Daniel Jones to really yeah. be himself, which is, which is totally reasonable. It's nothing against him, but um, you know, to come back from a hamstring injury like that, it's just tricky. You know, those things tend to linger. Um, I don't know if you're going to see a lot of those dynamic type running plays from him that you normally would that have really sparked this offense so much. We talked about some of the other offensive shortcomings they have. Um, I don't yet fully trust the giants offense 
And uh, so I think they lose a close one. And I guess that's somewhat relatively low scoring 21 to 20 uh, to, a, to a Cardinals team that, like you said, hasn't been lighting the world on fire on offense lately, but I think they'll be able to do enough. I, I, look, I, I think this is a toss up game. And the fact that we're talking about it like a toss up game is, is, is a big time credit to the Giants and Joe Judge they've, that they've reached a point that you can say like, hey, th- they're playing this team that's clearly more talented than them. But um, based on what we saw last week, um, you can't you can't count them out and that, that that this is the type of game that they're going to be able to to be in um i would be surprised if if, if this was a blowout game i think this has all the the markings of, of a close game like last week i i thought they were going to get blown out um yeah. but um and then then you look you know you look ahead to browns ravens cowboys in the final three games i mean this, this is going to be a, a dogfight to the end for this giants team to win the nfc east and um, that Browns one's another fascinating one. And the Ravens are another fascinating one because those are the games like you feel like, yeah, just sort of like this game against the Cardinals. Like they're obviously not better than those teams, but uh, you look at how those teams have played at times. They haven't been like they haven't obviously been the Chiefs or or the Steelers. So maybe maybe they can maybe they can steal one of those two if they even if they don't win this week. So um, this this NFC East thing is going to be a, a, a kind of slog maybe to the end i don't know because washington's playing pretty well too right so um it'll be an interesting kind of battle to the end because you have a couple teams that have kind of separated themselves and you know i I think this year more than any even just covering the giants is just it's funny how quickly opinions can change in the nfl you know like a few weeks ago uh number one we wouldn't even consider the possibility the giants would win four in a row and we'd be talking about them winning five in a row and that they'd be at the top of the nfc east we wouldn't have thought they had any chance against the seahawks you know the cardinals looked like maybe the hardest game in the stretch and all of a sudden the seahawks and cardinals look like the two winnable ones and the browns maybe look like the toughest one with how good they've been um it's just like so funny how quickly opinions and things change and you know if i mean if the giants you know, win enough games, Joe Judge will probably even get, he's not going to win coach of the year, but you'd think he'd even get like third place votes or something like that. Cause if they finish seven and nine after starting zero and five and one and seven, that's, I mean, that's something worth lauding. Um, we can, we can wrap up on that note. Uh, as always guys, make sure you're subscribed. We're on all the major podcast apps. Uh, leave us some reviews, subscribe to our tech service, nj.com slash text. And we'll hit you guys back up with another episode next week. And uh, yeah, we'll see you then.